Good morning. Good morning. My name is Trisha Winslow. I'm the Women's Ministry Director here at Church at Briargate, and it is lovely to worship with you. I'm so glad to see your faces here this morning. I always love to come together and worship together as friends and family, and it's an awesome thing. I just want to tell you a little bit about Church at Briargate. We love to have people connect. We love to have people get involved and find a place where they can belong, and the best way to do that is to check our website at churchatbriargate.org. If you are new with us, we would love to have you fill out a Connect card. That's right in the seat pocket in front of you. That way we can get to know you a little bit. You can get on our email list so that you can find your place here too. And that would be wonderful. I want to tell you about something exciting that we have coming up. Our church loves to be generous. We love to um, give back to people who are in need. And so there are some families in our church who are in need this holiday season. And we're also going to be participating with Angel Tree, which is blessed families of who have one or both of their um, parents incarcerated. And so we are going to participate with them this holiday season. So if you want to be part of that and you want to get involved, please watch your email, watch social, our social media outlets, and watch our website so that you can be up to date on how to do that. And there's different ways that you can be involved. You can give financially. You can purchase gifts. You can um, help wrap gifts. There's lots of ways that you can do that. And so we are going to get that out to you this coming week on our social social media outlets, and on our website. So keep your eyes open. And if you have questions or you want to get involved, you can always call the church office and they can get you connected with a way to participate in that. Okay. So that's super exciting. We're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings now. So pray with me over that. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we thank you so much that you are such a generous God. You do not withhold from your children. And Lord, we thank you that you have poured blessing out upon this church. We thank you that we can come and worship you um, in our song, but also that we can worship you with giving of our tithes and our offerings. And Lord, we know that you are so faithful. You are faithful to use these, these monetary gifts that we give back to you for your kingdom, to further your plan and purpose in the, in the world. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and watch the screens for the announcements this week. Hi, I'm Grant. Welcome to Church at Briargate. We are so glad you chose to spend your Sunday morning here with us. If this is your first time, please fill out a Connect card found in the back of the seat in front of you and drop it in the offering plate or put it in the basket outside of the church office. Let me tell you about a few events coming up. The 20-somethings mystery dinner is tomorrow, December 3rd at the Ustark's home at 6 p.m. If you are interested in joining, contact Linda Bottom so that she can give you a character description. This is for ages 18 through 29, and dinner will be provided. The men's breakfast is this Saturday in the church foyer from 8 to 9.30 a.m. The youth Christmas party is next Sunday, December 9th, during the youth service at 6 p.m. Bring a $10 gift for our gift exchange and wear your Christmas pajamas. We invite you to join us on Christmas Eve at 6 p.m. for a time of worship, prayer, and reflection. Thanks again for worshiping with us today. For more information about these and other church events and ministries, be sure to visit our website, churchatfriargate.org. You can also stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and YouVersion. Have a great week.
when I got to the church about seven years ago, Dr. Noor and I and Jerry Tuttle began to talk about this. When I return there, we will show this video in our church and we'll celebrate. And all of you will be on our video in America. Movie stars from India. So we want to thank everyone that's been involved. আপনার <laughs> Oh, there he is. <clears throat> Looks like he's lost some weight. I'm sure he'll remedy that as soon as he gets back. Um, so Scott is in India. Um, these are some pictures he sent. Obviously, we've already shown the video before he gets back. Um, let's just not tell him. So next week when he shows it again, we'll just all celebrate like we didn't already show it. Um, so Pastor Scott is there with Dr. Matthews, and then um, that is both of our pastors, um, Santosh, Santosh, Santosh and Jessia, and then um, the builder as well. And then over here, Pastor Scott barefooted is preaching in um, Pastor Bashir's church, and so... Um, yeah, he's going to get a whole lot about that barefoot. And then I don't know if any of you saw this picture. Um, Carrie, I think I found the mysterious person asking to be part of the women's team. So, uh, women's Facebook page. So, on Facebook, there was this picture of Pastor Scott up there and Jessia sitting, and that's all it was. And Jessia had posted it, and him doing that, I thought that was really cool. But this is all four of them riding on a train, which apparently all of those experiences are experiences to remember. Do we have, I missed a bunch last time. I'm, that's it. And then they're praying over someone in the church. And so um, they are doing well. I'm sure he will give you a full report um, when he gets home. He gets home Tuesday evening, him and her both, 542. And um, it's been an eventful journey with the airlines, but he will be coming home. And so one other thing I wanted to say is that Dr. Shaw, many of you know Dr. Shaw, he went to live in India there. They got to go see him. Um, and uh, he is not well. 
Matter of fact, he is poorly. Um, and so just from, when you think of him, think of India, pray for Dr. Shaw. Uh, Dr. Matthews has examined him. <laughs> it's good when you have a brother-in-law that is a doctor, cardiologist, and has talked to him and tried to get some tests done for him. But he really needs God to intervene on his behalf. And so, well, we have a special treat today. I'm sure you've had enough estrogen. Lots of women this morning, but uh, we have a special treat, and one of our board members is going to speak for us this morning. Um, he's heard from the Lord, and God's given him a word. And so, will you welcome um, Paul Reek? I'll take care. Of, I'll take care of it. Okay, thank you. Make sure I drink my water, not yours. Oh, I got. Well, thank you. You guys are lucky. You, we got to see the video and get a preview of that. The first service didn't. It's interesting to see what first service and second service is like, because usually I come in second service, and I'm downstairs with my co-leader, Ramiro, teaching the ASL life group downstairs during first service. But um, today I get to do both first and second service, so it's been fun. Um, so yes, I'm a board member, and one of the, um, the first things when, when I join the board, Pastor Scott says, you know, anytime you, one of you guys wants to uh, preach on a Sunday, just talk to me and let, let me know. And we all kind of looked at each other and said, that's not going to happen. Um, but when, the, like about two, three months ago, at one of the board meetings, Pastor Scott said, oh, well, I'm going to be in India during this time. I'm going to be gone two Sundays. Um, and I thought, okay, cool, whatever. And I was, I'd picked up a book where I was in a store with my wife and I picked up a book and it was called God's Psychiatry, very compelling title for me um, as a budding counselor. And um, I, I was looking at it and I was reading it and it, was, it had uh, four um, of the very well-known scriptures that was broken down and one of them was Psalm 23. And um, as I was reading it, I, was, I, I thought, oh, I'm going to prepare this for the Sunday school class, the ASL Life Group. And as I was reading it, I felt God saying, hey, offer to preach on this on that one of those Sundays that Pastor Scott's gone. And I was like, is that me and my, is that me or is that God? Who, who, who is that? And it just wouldn't go away. It kept coming and I talked to my wife and my friend about it and I thought, you know, um, okay, I think this might be from God. I prayed more about it. And so I put it together, tested it on them and they liked it and then I put the notes and the PowerPoint together, and I sent it to Pastor Scott and said, hey, I think God's saying he wants me to preach while you're gone. And Pastor Scott said, yes, I think you're right. Do it. So here I am. Here we are. Um, so I'm going to read on Psalm 23, and shepherding keeps coming up. I, I've seen Psalm 23 on more posters in the past week than I have in the past two years, probably. And it's just more confirmation that I'm following what God is calling me to do, and I'm, I'm thankful when He does that. In fact, we prayed for Good Shepherd United Methodist to, uh, Church today, which I just, I'm like, there it is again. Thanks, God. That, I love it when that happens. It's awesome. Okay, so first I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We don't know exactly when each of the Psalms were written. Some of them we do know, and it's, it's clear from the context when David wrote it, but um, this one, um, there's some arguments for and against this way, but most of the consensus is it was written towards the end of his life, after he'd already selected Solomon as his successor, and he was thinking back and reflecting on his years of uh, being a king, being a shepherd, and being a man of God and a man who follows God. So today, one of the themes is that we're going to focus is sometimes it's time to be the shepherd and to lead others, and we have different roles in our lives in which we do that. And sometimes it's, we're called to be the sheep, and we're called to follow the Lord, our shepherd, and other shepherds that he's put in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sheep can't provide for themselves. They don't know how to get to the next meadow. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to find water. And they have to be led. They know how to eat. They're good at that. And, um, but un- unless they're provided for, they're rather helpless. They can't defend themselves. And they're, they're very timid and not very bright. David continues to feel the Lord's hand on him at, in his latter years as he's looking back on all his whole life, and he, and he uses this um, analogy from his shepherding days through the rest of his life to uh, his, his present at that time. And we all know his, his life very well. He was a shepherd and taking care of sheep and uses that analogy as later on he is anointed as the king of Israel, but then he goes back to shepherding, and he goes back to his time hadn't come yet. It wasn't time for him to be the shepherd of people, but to continue being the shepherd of sheep. And then he went and he defended against, and I can't imagine how a person, you know, with a sling or a a a rod or whatever, how a person defends sheep against bears and lions, but he did it. And then he goes and he sees Goliath and he's like, Goliath's taunting God's people. And, And David's like, this guy? You guys are all scared of this guy? I'll go fight him. So he does. He goes and fights him, and God provides, and they provide a victory. But even then, David, he went, I, I believe he went back to shepherding. He was, you know, then starting to get, um, uh, you know, older of age, and he got a whole group of people that were his warriors, and he started being a warrior, and then he started running from Saul. Saul was jealous, and he had to go through that time. And that was probably not a very... He didn't feel like he was much of a, um, in a leadership shepherding position at that time, but he felt God taking care of him. God even put, there were opportunities where Saul had been put into David's hands, but David didn't take that time to take Saul out. God had said, he was following God and saying, God will make, make this happen when God wants to. I'm not going to be the one that takes my hand against God's chosen leader. 
And so he, he bided his time and he waited until it was God's time. There were, many, there were more ups and downs during God's reign, or during uh, David's reign. And he's acknowledging at the end, nobody would have considered him a sheep, but a shepherd, but he's acknowledging how much of a sheep he still, he always was, and he still really was. The New Living, this is the, uh, the, the one where the verse we're following is the New King James Version. And in the New Living Translation, it reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. And I thought about those differences, and Wednesday night, I'm still tweaking my notes, and, you know, I've been working on this thing for like two months, and, you know, even still, God's saying, there's a difference there, and there's a reason for that difference, but they're also the same. And so, the New Living, the New Living Translation says, I, I have everything I need. The King James, New King James Version says, I shall not want, and it uses the language of the Ten Commandments, of what we shall not do. And when David want, was starting to want something that he did not need because he already had what he needed, then he got himself into trouble. It cost others their lives because he was wanting something that was not for him to have. And, we need, and he, he got corrected, and he continued on. He continued leading and living, and that is God's mercy and His grace, and He continues to provide for us even when we make horrendous mistakes. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep will eat and eat and eat and eat until they pop or fall over or whatever happens to sheep when they've eaten too much. So they have, they have to be forced to sit down and rest and they're ruminants, so they chew, cud, and they you know, do all that to process the food properly. And I don't know how all that works, and I'm not going to go into all the details, even if I did know. Um, but they have to be forced to do that because it feels good to eat, and they like to eat. And the, so they have to be forced to sit down and rest. And that's a lot like how we learn. When we've studied something and, uh, re or read something, we can't just keep on going and go to the next thing. We have to take a quiz or take a test or share it with another person to let that learning sink in so that then we can ponder on what we've just read and what we've just learned and share that with others and talk about that with others and maybe see it from a different angle as we talk about it with others. It's also a time when we can share with another person and be a shepherd to them as they might need to hear something that we have learned and that they're not in a position where they're um, able to take that time or learning and they, they might hear that from a friend or a fellow sheep or a, a shepherd in their lives to learn something that they need to learn. How many of us are like the sheep and we'll just keep on doing, keep on working, keeping busy so that we don't have to actually sit and think? Sometimes we have things in our lives that are not that pleasant to sit and think about. And we don't want to, and if we stop and rest, then we're sitting and thinking about these things that are not easy to sit and think about. And so sometimes we're forced to take that break. When I was, um, two months ago when I was uh, pre initially preparing this, um, I came across this part of the verse 
and my brother was having a, had had a surgery that he was having a hard time recovering from. And I took a picture of that verse and sent it to him, and he read it. And, you know, he and I are both do, 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 busy, 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 work, work, work. And we don't have a, He lives, you know, 800 miles away in Arizona, and we don't have a chance to talk a lot of times. And so I shared that with him, and it, it led to a number of back-and-forth texts and a couple of phone calls that we otherwise wouldn't have had a chance to do and it was a really sweet time for us to be able to connect like that. And um, so I was thankful for that opportunity just in being obedient in doing what God had called me to do and preparing this message. And then it led to other connections. And it's been wonderful how following him just adds on to the richness of life and the things that he has for me. I also had an experience of where I was forced to rest a little more. Just, we went to, my family and I went to Arizona on, over Thanksgiving break, and, you know, my brother-in-law invited me to play soccer, and, you know, I, I run, and I try to stay in shape, but, you know, I run slow, and I run as long as I can, and I stop when I get tired, but when you're playing soccer, you run hard, and you're stopping, and I haven't worn cleats in 20 years, and... Uh, I was going for a 50-50 ball, and I was going at 110%, and I straightened my leg out, and I heard it pop, and I went down on the ground, and I didn't cry. <laughs> so, because then my kids wouldn't only call me old man, they'd also call me crybaby. And I can handle one, but I can't handle both. So, I know, I'm trying not to be fun. It's part of my job. <clears throat> But that made me depend on them a little more than I would have otherwise. They, I, I wasn't able to go on the hike that we were going to go on. I wasn't able to do runs like I was when we were out there. One of my favorite pictures that my wife took while they were out there was of the three boys with a cactus in the background. And, and I thought, you know, I should be there. But at the same time, I can't be there, and she is, and you know I still get to participate, and I'm I'm really I, I really like that picture because, you know she had to take it, but you know I and the boys there it was it was it was just good, and you know it was okay that I wasn't there, and um, I got to focus on the message and prepare more for that. <clears throat> he leads me beside the still waters. Sheep are not made to swim. Uh, they have these big burly bodies and these spindly little legs. And then they're wearing a wool coat. And I, I, I mean, I've been thrown in pools before in my clothes and in my shoes, and it wasn't easy to swim. I didn't have a wool coat on, thankfully, so I was able to get out. But I can imagine what it would be like with a wool coat and just not, not very easy, not, not good. So... They're afraid of running water, and the, the shepherd has to know where there are still waters, but sometimes there are not any still waters available, and sometimes he doesn't have any water available for them, and so there's only this running water. Well, there's plenty of rocks out there in the Middle East, so he'll pick up some rocks and create a dam that will make some of that water still, and then the sheep can go up and drink from it without fear. And God does that for us also and prepares things for us and 
gives us little encouragements like I've experienced along the way with from the Good Shepherd to all the different uh, Psalm 23 verses I've seen around in the past week. So it's awesome how God gives us what we need as water is one of our basic needs. He restores my soul. Sheep need rest and we need rest. And sheep don't know how to care for themselves and they don't know, they'll just keep on going. The shepherd knows what their needs are and knows better than them. And whether he needs to wrench one of their legs, because a shepherd, one of the things I read said that a shepherd will wrench a sheep's leg and force it to rest, just like my brother was forced to rest and I was forced to rest some. And so he will take care of us to meet our needs. David probably had a similar experience after years of busyness and kinging and warrioring and doing all of those things and at times feeling lost when his sons would rise up against him, feeling hopeless, feeling the meaninglessness of life, much like how his, even his son Solomon later wrote about in um, Ecclesiastes. And God, if we turn back to God, he can restore us. If we've lost that time or look back and we've lost our way and we've been too busy, if we focus on Him, we can, we can be restored. When I, when, when I, t- when I was, uh, did this lesson in the um, ASL Life group, uh, one of the co-leaders said, hey, that's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I thought, now you're speaking my language, like counselor stuff. And I thought it's, it's awesome how even a secular counselor or psychologist, we can study the mind that God has given us and learn about our needs. And as I was going through the hierarchy of needs, there was biblical applications the whole time through. The first is he provides for our physiological needs, much like the birds of the air and the flowers in the field. And God doesn't, we don't, we don't have to feed the birds and, you know, the water the plants. God takes care of all that stuff. Well, he also provides for our physiological needs, such as food, water, shelter, and rest. The second need is safety, and he, he, even in this um, chapter in Psalm 23, he protects them with his rod and his staff. He, he protects the sheep. Well, God also protects us personally, financially, with our health, and in our well-being. He also provides for us socially and that sense of belonging that we all need by giving us family and friends and connections with one another. And the, one, the next uh, need is our self-esteem and how we feel about ourselves. And if we are connected with God and we're following and meeting those first, four, first three needs, He's also providing for our sense of self, and if we are connected with Him, He will give us what we need and make us feel like we are right with Him. And then what used to be the highest point of this pyramid that old Abraham Maslow had thought that he came up with, but he was just studying the mind that God had given us, is that self-actualization. Am I doing what God has made me to do? And Throughout my life, I thought, I, I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to do what God wanted me to do, and I felt like he had made me to be an interpreter, and he'd given me that gift rather quickly and easily, and I had good results, and 
enjoyed it, and other people seemed to enjoy uh, the service I provided as an interpreter, and it was great. And then, <clears throat> but early in my life as an interpreter, somebody said, don't let that be all that you do. And I was like, well, that sounds like you're kind of putting a curse on me, like I'm not going to be satisfied with this. And then after about 15 years, I was feeling that, you know, what else? Is there anything else? And that was when God had called me to make some changes in my life, and um, one of them was to go back to school and go back to counseling. And as psychology was my original major, and so I went and got a counseling degree, and now I'm working towards getting a license, and I'm working as a counselor and an interpreter still, and bringing those two worlds together. And I am feeling like I'm following God and doing what He's called me to do. And when He says, hey, I want you to actually get up and talk and preach on Sunday, I'm saying, really? Okay. And here I am doing it. And the last one, and Josh, you may, I don't know if you've heard this one, the last one that they've added on lately is self-transcendence. And I was thought, ooh, well, there's a, you know, a modern-day $20 word. Um, but then I thought about that, and, and what does that mean from a biblical context? But teaching others and passing down to others what you've learned and what God's taught you to do so that you can help others follow their plan, God's plan for their lives as well. All these needs that you know, Maslow just came up with. Well, no, God put those needs in us, and our needs today are no different than David's needs 3,000 years ago. And God has made us how we haven't changed. God has made us how we are, and our needs remain the same, and God provides if we seek Him. <clears throat> I'm going to take a drink of water here. I didn't do this first service. Maybe, maybe my voice won't go so quiet later on. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Sheep have poor vision and an even poorer sense of direction. If they see something or hear something off in the bushes or the grass is a little greener over here, they'll follow over there and wander off that way while the rest of the group is here. And they need someone to lead them and keep them all together. A shepherd's livelihood is, depends on the sheep and how well he takes care of them. So they have this symbiotic relationship where he has to take care of them so that they can thrive and they need to thrive and need him to take care of them. So it's mutually beneficial for both of them to care for one another. And he has to know the way and lead them in a way that makes, makes them succeed so then he can also succeed. We have to follow God the same way. When he calls us to do something, we need to do it. And um, one of the things I was reading about was about, they um, correlated that to the Israelites. And when they were in the wilderness and being led by the pillar of fire at night, which also provided light and warmth and led the way for them, and I was thinking about that and what that actually looked like. I mean, there were like 250,000 or half a million Israelites, I think. That's like just a little bit smaller than the size of Colorado Springs. That many people following this pillar of light. And I don't know if the pillar of light was in between them and they were all around it or if it was up in the, up in the heavens or, 
you know, was it from the ground and a pillar like we think of a pillar? I don't know what it looked like, but I, I, I sure would like to have seen that and see what it looks like as they're all following and going this way. And then during the day, well, you can't see a fire very well during the day because we've already got the, the fire God provided in the sun. But it was a cloud during the day. And I thought, okay, a cloud, yeah, that's easy to see. But what else does a cloud do but provides shade? So I imagined that the cloud also provided shade from the sun during the day for keeping them from getting too warm. And I was looking up, I'm like, I wonder what the weather was like in Jerusalem. So my fancy little phone, I can put, look up the uh, weather in Jerusalem. In fact, I had it on my weather app, and I've been tracking what the weather's like there in Jerusalem. And it's like 60 degrees right now. It's really nice in Jerusalem. And during the summer, it only gets up to like 85, like in July. And that's not too bad. I always thought it was going to be like 185 or something. You know, I mean, it's worse in Tucson than, than it is there in, in, uh, in Jerusalem. So I thought, eh, well, yeah, yeah, I even start kind of saying, oh man, it's 80 degrees outside. And I sure wish there would be a cloud. And there was a cloud that came over and I was like, ooh, now it's really nice. And so that was how I was thinking, huh, that God was providing for them cover as they're marching through the wilderness, even though it took them 40 years to go something like 40 or 80 miles or something like that, but that because they weren't following exactly how they should have, and it would have taken much shorter time if they'd followed Joshua after he had left the comfort of the cloud and the comfort of the pillar of fire and done what uh, he and Caleb had said, hey, we can go do this, and everybody else was, no, it's too scary, we can't go do that. So we need to follow him and uh, trust him as, as he's called us to. Are we trusting him as our shepherd? Are we following his lead when he's called us to do something? Are we willing to take the risks he's asked us to do? Are we listening to him? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Sheep had to be led from meadow to meadow, and it wasn't this easy walk. There were just one meadow to another and one meadow led to another, but they often would have to go through these rocky valleys, and there would often be predators hiding behind uh, an outcropping or something like that. And so they had to know, the shepherd had to know where those dangers would be and how to, and also if the shepherd could walk across a chasm that was, you know, five feet or whatever, pretty easy. Sheep couldn't follow that well, so he'd have to find the easy way around for all these spindly-legged sheep to get them to where they needed to be. I think this also speaks to a lot of the anxieties we feel that are real, that really are lions and tigers hiding behind some of the... um, you know, and if we're not wise, that are hiding behind crevices and whatnot, but, and if we're not wise in the ways that we're going, then we will run into danger, and we have to know where that is. But also some of the things that are imagined. We imagine there's going to be something dangerous behind there, where really there isn't. And we just, and if the shepherd has prepared the way for us, and we trust him and follow him, we'll get to where we need to be. When I was preparing this and talking with Pastor Scott about the sermon, 
he said that this is one of the most often misused verses in the Bible as it's often used at funerals. And as it's appropriate to speak to one of our greatest fears, which is death, which is a close second to public speaking, I think. But, but there is... It, you find comfort in that, in knowing that He is with you. And you shouldn't fear those evils that you imagine around the corner. And if you are prepared and you know the way, then you will get to that next meadow and that next green grass or that ne- those next still waters ahead. A lot of times the valley can be a stressful time that we're coming on. It can be a relationship issue. It can be a financial issue, a a difficult time in school, or any number of other struggles that we go through, but he'll get us through that if we stick with him. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A shepherd's rod protects the fearful sheep, from dangerous animals, while his staff guides, corrects, and brings the sheep closer from dangerous missteps. And that protection, we need protection when we're younger, and we need protection when we're older as well, and we also need correction when we're younger, and we needed it when we're older as well. And um, it provides limits for us, It provides direction when we don't have that. And often in our American way of thinking, those types of things rankle against us. I'm American. I'm free. It's a free country. I can do what I want. Yes, but it's not a free house. You can't do what you want in this house. You have to do it within limits of that shepherding role that God has given us as parents. I remember one time when I was feeling like I was doing all these things and just busy and, you know, um, just overwhelmed with, you know, the responsibilities at work and at home. And I, at the time, I was leading Cub Scouts, and I had to, had to plan for that and then had to go to the meeting, and, you know, the kids were hard to manage and all this stuff. And, you know, and my wife had helped me plan the activity, and it was going to be a fun activity. We were going to make little bow and arrows shooting Q-tips that were made out of um, rubber bands and popsicle sticks. So it was going to be fun, but I was just, you know, I was feeling sorry for myself, and I was in one of those moods. And I'm driving, and Wesley was um, the, the scout at the time, and he says, Daddy, and I said, not now, Wesley, I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm frustrated, and I'm, I'm fuming here. You got to let me, let me be. And so we dro- drove another minute or so, and then he says, Daddy, I just wanted to tell you the design I was going to put on my bow and arrow. And I thought... Oh, yeah, that's what the point of this is. The point isn't about me and all the things I have to do and what's going on. The point is teaching him and leading him and guiding him. And at times I have to listen to him. The shepherd also has to listen to the sheep. If the sheep are sensing something that the shepherd's not aware of or the sheep has a need that the shepherd's not aware of, the shepherd has to take that time to listen to that need. And at that time, the sheep is shepherding the shepherd to a degree. And I had to take that time and listen to Wesley at that time. And I appreciate the fact that 
my boys know that they can talk to me and tell me something even when they've been told quiet or, or growled at or whatever. So that was, that was good. You prepare a table for me before my enemies. Sheep graze in fields that constantly have to be trimmed of harmful plants that have to be weeded out. There's thistles and thorns and poison ivy and poison oak and all this stuff. And so the shepherd has to go through and kind of trim that stuff out as best he can. We also have to do that for our children. In this society, there is easier access to harmful things on the internet than ever. And our society thinks, and actually there is proof that alcohol and marijuana are great sources of revenue, but they're not things that are good for us. And we have to protect our kids against those things and have those hard conversations with them. And, it, or those, and they're uncomfortable conversations at times. When I was a kid, when my dad would go to the uh, store or go and do an errand or something, my brother and sister and I, we'd fight over who got to go with him. And, you know, we'd just have a good time talking, and, and I thought, oh, that'll be fun when I do that with my kids. And I use those times as times to talk to my kids about things like sex and drugs and rock and roll and all that stuff. And for some reason, they don't fight over who gets to go with me. They fight over who has to go with me. No, you go with him. No, you. I don't want to go with him. And, okay, I, I get that. There's also times, though, when they do come to me or they come to my fellow shepherd, Carrie. They, go, they come to one of us when they need something. And so we can go to them and we can pull them and make them sit in the car with us, but we, they also know that they can come to us when they need to, and that is a great comfort to me and the way it should be, so I appreciate that. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Even though the shepherd clears out the thorns and thistles and uh, poison ivy and stuff, the sheep will still get cuts and little scratches and stuff on their little noses and their little eyes. And they didn't have medicine that you get at the store or antibiotic or whatever, but they used oil, and they would use the oil to cover their faces and uh, heal the, help those wounds heal faster. And so th that, I always thought of that this referred to um, David being anointed by Samuel. And as I was reading, you know, from a shepherding context, it had to do with how the shepherd took care of the sheep. Yes, it also does talk, apply to David being anointed king, but that shepherding analogy just continues to drive forward, and uh, it, it was really a, neat to learn that that application also applied in this sense, too. Shepherd would also have a big clay jar, and that would keep the water cool, so if there weren't any streams or anything nearby, and he'd was able to have hefted a jar to wherever they were feeding for the day, that jar would keep the water cool by evaporation. And so then he would dip a ladle in it and bring it out, and often it would be running over, and he would give that life-giving water to the sheep, and they were able to, to drink of it. 
Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So I was thinking about, about what this means. Um, I thought, at what point are we done being sheep? At what point are we done shepherding in our 80 or so years on this earth? Um, as I was thinking about that, I, I thought about something I heard from Jerry Tuttle at the latest Harvestfield Corner banquet. And he talked about when he was called to set up Harvest Field Corners and that, um, that service, that ministry to people in Pakistan and, um, and India. And he said he, he, he said he had been praying after he retired, after working for 40 years. He was praying to God and he says, okay, God, what do you want me to do for the, the remaining years you have for me in my retirement? And God says, well, I want you to do the same work you'd done as, you know, in ministry, as Jerry had done. You know, he'd been on the board, he'd been, you know, a Sunday school teacher and been in different roles throughout the churches that he'd been a member of over the 40 years of his working life. And so he said, okay, God, so how much more do you want me to do? And God says, well, you name the, you name the number. And he says, okay, um, well... Two times? He says, is that it? And I, and I was thinking, you know, two times. I mean, if, if he was leading people to God over the course of 40 years, say one or two people a year, so that's 40 to 80 people a year, and then two times that, okay, so that's either 80 or 160, and he's sitting there saying, so that's a lot of people, and I, you know, you have to have a very effective ministry to, to do that. And, he, and then he said three times, and I couldn't do the math after that. Four times, five times. So he settled on five times, and I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's probably a big number. I don't, I'd have to get the calculator out to figure out how much, what that number exactly would be. But after 18 and a half years, God was, Jerry was praying one day, and God said, hey, Jerry, you just hit five times. And Jerry's like, okay, well, now what? And I, think, I think they're in renegotiations right now over what the next number is. Um, that was that was what I what I got from what he had talked about before, but as I was asking Jerry if, if I could share this example, um, he sent me back something saying, "Yeah, sure, go ahead and share share away." Um, and he he said, "When I was um, a young when I was a young man and I was um, at a church, somebody preached on Psalm twenty three, and that preacher said that goodness and mercy were the shepherd's sheepdogs." Those are the names of his sheepdogs. And I thought, oh, that's a cool name of the sheepdogs. And sheepdogs are always out there with the sheep taking care of them, making sure that they are safe and cared for and not wandering away. And so I thought that was, um, that was, that would be a neat name for dogs in the future. So we'll see. All right. And. We're done. Time to stand up, and then I'm going to read this part <clears throat> as we think on how I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to do it a little differently as I do the benediction.
microphone. Is this it here? I want to say a, a prayer of blessing for you. And my prayer for you is that Jesus will be in you, in each and every one of you, and other people can see Jesus in you and be attracted to that spirit that's inside of you. And you can share that spirit with other people and that message that accompanies it. Also, that you follow Jesus as their sheep because he is the shepherd. And you bring others along with you as they become sheep and you become the shepherd. this is your role as a sheep and as a shepherd. You have both roles. Thank you very much. May God bless you for the rest of the week. Amen.